Welcome to Apple at Work, podcast all about Apple and the enterprise. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host as always. First time guest on the show, but you know, longtime friend, longtime industry expert, David Coleman from Extreme Networks. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Bradley. Thanks for having me. For our listeners that don't know you, uh, you are, I would argue, legendary in the Wi-Fi industry. I mean, you, you were um, one of the early experts, I would say, in the industry and still are. For our listeners that don't know you, can you give us kind of the high points of your background, how you get into Wi-Fi and then what you do at Extreme Networks now? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if uh, I would call myself legendary, but uh, uh, the but um, I have been in the Wi-Fi side of things for a long time. Uh, long story short, I kind of fell into Wi-Fi um, when I was unemployed. I had been laid off from a job and I went to a a Comdex conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this is back, I don't know, 1999, I think it was. And um, I was looking for a job and there was these companies at the conference uh, selling this new wireless networking technology. And it was just called wireless networking or 802.11 technology. It wasn't even called Wi-Fi yet. And I became very interested in the technology and um, um, so I basically started self-educating myself about the tech and, um, because I was out of work, I created a small little, uh, consulting and training company. Um, and for about 10 years, that's what I did. Um, I learned, uh, as Wi-Fi grew as a technology, it became known as Wi-Fi in about 2001. Um, I, uh, Continued to learn about the technology, teach the technology, and consult about the technology. Um, and then around 2010, I went to work for, um, I shut down a very lucrative uh, private business to go to work for a startup company that uh, had some disruptive Wi Fi technology called Aerohive. Uh, they had a distributed architecture um, that nobody else was doing. And um, so I took a shot and went to work for them, had a great time, 10 years with them until they were acquired a little about four and a half years ago by Extreme Networks, uh, which is where I'm at now. And uh, currently I'm uh, with the office of the CTO at Extreme Networks. Um, I, my I have multiple titles, but you can call me director of wireless, but um, I work with numerous teams at Extreme, the product team, the sales team, the marketing team, um, consulting and, and in, anything in regards to wireless and Wi-Fi, as well as uh, uh, futuristic uh, thought leadership kind of stuff. So uh, it's been a nice ride. And um, uh, and also I've written a bunch of books about Wi-Fi over the years too, and I'm very proud of that. So um I, I'm a very lucky guy because I get to work uh, with some technology that's fun, and um, you know I hope to, hope to do this for a few more years. You know the fact that your books were the throwaway comment I, I find hilarious because I think they're most, some of the most incredible resources for people that are wanting to go deeper into Wi-Fi on, on the technical side to learn more about like what makes it work, how to how to get more out of it. I mean, I think. The, you know, going back to your Arrowhive days, I remember the first time that, that I took a call and someone showed me Arrowhive and it completely made sense to me. Like that if you built a wireless infrastructure with no legacy baggage and, and thinking of like the way enterprise lands, wireless lands are always been done. Like Arrowhive's model is the one that to me just made more sense technically. Uh, and I still to this day think it's the you know, the most robust architecture and obviously that lives on with with the products to extreme and um, 
and it, and it's cloud product. I think still it's just it's just an incredible product, and I always believed in it, and it just clicked for me uh, initially. But yeah, your books are incredible, and I think are an incredible resource. I'll put links to a couple of them in the show notes. Again, if you're wanting to to learn more about what makes Wi-Fi work, and then how to become a better Wi-Fi. Um, administrator for your company, just a great place to start. Uh, I, I highly recommend the physical versions because I think it uh, is much easier to read, easier to highlight. Uh, I think it's just fantastic. Um, so, so you've really seen this evolution from the, from the ground up. I came in on the 802.11 G slash N days, but you've really been there f- since the beginning. And I, I've been telling people, I was having a conversation at the gym this weekend and I, and I, I maybe should broaden, broaden out my topics at the gym, but just talking about like the, huge leap forward that Wi-Fi 6E brought. And it, it, the only other thing I could equate it to is like the founding of Wi-Fi and that, that's the transformation. I mean, what, you know, I, for our listeners that don't know, what makes 6E so great? Uh, sure. So, you know, um, it's interesting that you say that. I think it's probably the biggest thing to happen to Wi-Fi in about 15 years. So I want to go all the way back to the beginning of Wi-Fi. I would think the last paradigm shift was uh, 802.11n, about 2009, when we went from uh, SISO radios to MIMO radios. And when we went from a time where there was an RF phenomena called multipath that used to be uh, disruptive and destructive uh, to communications and performance to a period where it was actually additive and um, um actually helpful. Um, so, uh, th- and that's when the enterprise really, really started to embrace Wi-Fi as well, r- about when we switched to MIMO radios in 2009. Uh, the new paradigm shift was the introduction with Wi-Fi 6E, and it really had nothing to do with features uh, or capabilities. It had to do with the introduction of a whole new uh, spectrum of frequency space, the 6 gigahertz frequency band, which is 1,200 megahertz of spectrum that's never been used for Wi-Fi before and is effectively double um, what we've uh, had uh, previously over the last 20-plus years. Um, It's double if you combine 5 gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz together. um, 6 gigahertz, the availability of that is twice the frequency space. Um, So there's nothing but opportunity um, with what we can do with this uh, spectrum. Also, traditionally, it's been shown whenever you open up unlicensed spectrum, um, the the economic boom that follows um, both in the United States and the rest of the world is nothing short of phenomenal. And it also uh, breeds innovation. And so... Uh, We're just getting started, but um, that's basically what happened um, with uh, 6E when it debuted a couple of years ago was in the United States and a lot of other countries is the introduction now of 6 gigahertz frequency that we can now use for Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's really to the place where, I mean, again, I even in like the the best, you know, properly tuned Wi-Fi 6 environment versus gigabit ethernet i could still tell day to day if i was on ethernet or wi-fi again the wi-fi was plenty fast and it was very stable and i would argue the manufacturers have gotten so good with firmware and and software like it is it is it's much harder to screw up enterprise wi-fi in 2024 than it is than it was in 2012 this episode of apple at work is sponsored by mosul deploying managing and protecting apple devices at work should be difficult or require several solutions Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, 
internet privacy and security, single sign-on enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform, businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for every business size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple MDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. That's business.mosyle.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. No, no, it is. And so I always get the comparison is wireless, you know, as good as wired. And, you know, I mean, and, and I'll make an argument uh, that the experience is better because you have the mobility, right? With an Ethernet cable, you're not moving around, right? You know, unless we, I guess you could, but you got to have a really long cable. So, um, but to your point, um, uh, wireless is a lot more difficult. It's because it's a it's an unbounded medium. It's not bounded like it is in a cable. Um, so the RF is bouncing all around. So it's an unpredictable environment, and that's what makes designing for Wi-Fi so challenging. Everybody just thinks it magically works. Now that being said, Wi-Fi has actually become a very resilient technology. To your point, over the years, so um, it's gotten to the point. Um, because it's so ingrained in our cultures is that people expect that resiliency and they expect that ethernet like, uh, type resiliency and experience. But the added value of course, is that you have the mobility. Well, and I think we have entered the place with six E and just in my you know experience, I feel like six E speed and stability matches a traditional wired ethernet. In my opinion, again, there's, you could argue, you know, left or right, and obviously depends on the network. But I think 6E has entered the place to where you not only get the benefits of the mobility, but it's every bit as stable and reliable as that traditional one gigabit uplink. Um, and, well, and I think, go ahead. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's it's getting there. Um, you have so much frequency space um, and so much bandwidth in six gigahertz that you can see you can achieve speeds and data rates with these larger channels and higher uh, uh, modulation capabilities um, to achieve more than you know you know more than gig speed. Um, and um, so the, the speeds and feeds are actually a real thing. Also, the other thing you need to understand about 6 gigahertz, it's a pristine RF environment. There's not a lot of RF interference, um, like they're, especially in 2.4, which is effectively a, a, a wasteland of interference. Um, and it's basically just a best effort ban now for Wi-Fi. And also, you don't have the backward compatibility. So backward compatibility for Wi-Fi has been a double-edged sword. Uh, the good part of uh, backward compatibility in the past is that you could connect a device from 15 years ago uh, to the latest and greatest access point. The bad part of backward compatibility is that you can connect a device from 15 years ago, um, and it slows everybody down, kind of, you know, kind of drags everybody down. So you don't have that currently with six gigahertz. Um, you don't have to deal with uh, some of the overhead uh, due to the backward compatibility mechanisms. So to your point, the speeds and feeds are nothing. Sh- uh, short of uh, phenomenal, and uh, the fact that it's uh, and and the reliability to me is the most important thing. Um, under always knowing it, you're going to have a reliable and and uh, wireless network that's always up and running. 
Um, and, uh, you know, that's a little bit more challenging in the older bands. Six gigahertz is going to make that easier. No, I think the backwards compatibility being a double-edged sword, I think it's a very astute, and you know, it, it's good. It was good and bad. And it was, there was arguments needed at the time, but essentially with six gigahertz, we've opened up a brand new highway. You know, we, maybe we were going on, you know, kind of, you know, side roads with, with the old, um, you know, 2.4 and 5. But, you know, 2.4 may be kind of the, the two-lane road and, and the small town. 5 gigahertz is maybe is the, you know, four-lane four lane road in the, you know, in the town. But then, you know, with 6 gigahertz, you've got this massive eight-lane inter, you know, interstate that you can just fly down uh, like there's no traffic. Now, so we, we've established that, you know, 6E is, is this major innovation, biggest innovation in the last 15 years. Then now we're hearing Wi-Fi 7. So what is 7? Sure. Wi-Fi 7 is the next generation of Wi-Fi. Like, we needed another one. They seem to pop up every four or five years. Uh, Wi-Fi 6E, the E stands for extended. It was it was taking Wi-Fi 6 technology that debuted about, uh, I don't know, uh, five years ago, and uh, took the Wi-Fi 6 technology and made it available for 6 gigahertz. So there was this kind of... Uh, uh, standard in the middle, but it was, you know, mon- monumental because it brought a six gigahertz. Wi-Fi 7 is um, a new new bells and whistles. It's uh, for, it's called extremely high throughput. <laughs> Theoretically, you could get 46 megabits, uh, gigabits per second of uh, data rates. Uh, that is complete marketing literature. Um, nobody's going to get those speeds. Uh, uh, you know, there have been some demos uh, showing five gig links uh, over the Wi-Fi, uh, wireless links, and that's going to be impressive. But basically, um, it has a few new bells and whistles, a few new features, which I'm happy, happy to delve into. But in, in my mind, the true value is that of Wi-Fi 7 is it just continues the six gigahertz story. Um, we're just kind of at the cusp of the six gigahertz error, and we're just get, getting begin, uh, we're just getting started. No, I, I, I think that's a great way to look at it where, you know, if 6E was getting you on this new highway and then now 7 is, okay, now that we're here, let's let's start tinkering, let's make it better, let's continue optimizing. Um, so if you were, you know, again, so I think, you know, especially with you look at your device landscape, we're seeing some de- early devices that have um, Wi-Fi 7 chips, but then you know, we're really seeing the 6E is coming to it's it's kind of prime time now. You're seeing it in, in you know this this crop of Apple devices. You know, it may be a year or two before the, you know it enters into you know the the latest iPhones, the latest Macs, etc. Um, you know, looking at the landscape, 24 months. Do you think Wi-Fi seven? It, it's a mix of six E and seven, or do you think enterprises are largely all in on seven at that point? Um, I think it'll absolutely be a mix for uh, actually for a longer period than we expect. Um, because honestly, um, there's still a, the client populations have not quite has been as fast as we thought they'd be. Um, I, you know, bottom line is if if I have a company or a potential customer um, asking, you know, they're thinking about refreshing their infrastructure, they should say, should I wait for Wi-Fi seven? Should I upgrade to Wi-Fi six C? Or, or can I save a bunch of money and uh, you know just 
deploy the old Wi-Fi 6 technology that doesn't have the 6 gigahertz radio. Uh, basically, my advice to them is this. Um, I really don't care <laughs> what you depl- upgrade your infrastructure with at this point. Um, I would say um, as long as it has a 6 gigahertz radio in it. So either Wi-Fi 6E or Wi-Fi 7, having that 6 gigahertz radio will future-proof your infrastructure for the next five or six years. Um, some of the features with Wi-Fi 7, is there an immediate need in the enterprise form? Probably not. Um, down the road, maybe sure. Um, really, what has me a little bit more concerned is, you know, the client populations. And this is nothing new. Client populations always traditionally lag behind infrastructure. So, and and unfortunately, businesses and, and uh, tend to keep their... Uh, clients longer, um, where they might upgrade their infrastructure every five years, they might keep their clients sometimes for eight to 10 years. And uh, that's going to our backward compatibility conversation. Um, There's been about so far, um, well over 2000 client devices that are out there that have been certified with six gigahertz radios. We're just now starting to, there's only a handful that have Wi-Fi seven chipsets in them, like the, the Google Pixel 8. Um, has a Wi-Fi 7 chipset in it. But if you want to talk about Apple, um, they've actually been kind of slow with 6 gigahertz for whatever reason. Um, the uh, you can the latest Mac Mini, the 2023, I, I upgraded my Mac Mini so because it has a 6 gigahertz radio in it. Um, the MacBook Pros have uh, Wi-Fi 6E radios and, and uh, 6 gigahertz radios uh, in them, but not the uh, lower-end uh, uh, laptops. And then on the smartphones, um, surprisingly, um, the iPhone 15 uh, Pro is the first one to have a 6 gigahertz radio. It has a Wi-Fi 6E radio in it. The um, uh, And we've actually seen that with their com- Apple's competitors, too. What we're seeing is the 6 gigahertz radios are finding their way in the higher end phones, and uh, in some cases now, like uh, Samsung and some of the others are starting to put them in the mid tier, but the low end phones, no six gigahertz radio yet. Um, and then I, I know I'm talking a little bit long on this topic, but I think it's an important topic. I, I got to tell you, I was very disappointed when I saw this, the tech spec. I was just looking at the tech specs for the Vision Pro, and it's just a Wi-Fi 6 radio. It, it, it just says um, I didn't see anything about 6E or 7. Um, that being said, I imagine uh, starting in very near generations, Apple will start putting Wi-Fi 7 radios uh, in all their various devices. But uh, once again, you know, whether it's Wi-Fi 6E, Wi-Fi 7, the value will be having the 6 gigahertz. So um, we're really just getting started once again, and Wi-Fi 7 will continue to drive that 6 gigahertz story. I agree with that. And I don't really, you know, thinking through how Apple rolled out Wi-Fi 5, Wi-Fi 6 in their devices, it doesn't feel, I mean, they've always a little bit lagged behind. They've always been about one year behind, but this time they were a couple of years behind. And um, there's been various speculations to why I don't want to speculate on this podcast, but um, at the end of the day, I'm not going to question uh, Apple, <laughs> you know, so um, trust me, they, they, 
You know, they've earned the right. And, and, and I don't want you to get take this the wrong way, too. I mean, Apple, they have engineers and, and people that are um, that work on these specs as well. And um, and trust me, they will be putting six gigahertz radios in all their devices, but in, in a timeline that makes sense for their company. So. Well, and you always wonder, too, it feels like Apple's big hang up on particularly mobile devices has been battery life. And they will they would rather eke out another year on an older communication spec, but then they keep the battery life up. Um, but because again, it probably, I, I really thought we would have seen more Wi-Fi 6E and say 2022, but it kind of came in 2023. So like, you're right. It's been really kind of a year behind. And, but again, it, you know, the, but on the flip side, they may have a rapper, a more rapid evolution to Wi-Fi 7. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, mean, I do think 24 months from now, you're looking across Apple's product line. Every, every new device that's being sold probably has six gigahertz and that's the that's the key it's not do we think wi-fi 7 will come fast but in 24 months i fully expect anderson apple's product line to be a some sort of six gigahertz radio and i think that's the big thing it's sort of like saying it'd be kind of maybe a bad analogy is when will apple finally put ethernet in all other devices well you know the dial-up mode made sense for a little bit but eventually you just you can't keep putting that old tech in there yeah, you know, it's weird, too. And when you think about the, the introduction of 6E and, and 6 gigahertz, too, it happened right in the heart of the freaking pandemic, right? So, uh, and then you started getting all this uh, supply chain problems, too. So, um, the, you know, so it was it was weird timing, of, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, too. Uh, that being said, um, uh, you know, you know, I, I agree with you. I fully expect Apple to have most of their product line by in the next year or two to be, um, you know, with six gigahertz connectivity. And look, I'm an Apple junkie too. You know, I, I went up, I bought an iPhone 15. I, that was the perfect, I think I had an 11. It was the perfect time for me to upgrade when the six gigahertz radio, uh, came out. And, uh, same thing. I, my Mac mini was only two years old, but, um, I upgraded it so I could have that six gigahertz uh, connectivity. Um, I really want to buy a Vision Pro. I don't know if I want to spend thirty five hundred dollars, but and uh, but you know now I'm thinking maybe I wait till it has that six gigahertz radio. So, well, at, you know, I remember <laughs> buying the first Apple Watch when it came out, and then you really it always feels like Apple is like when they introduce a new product category, like version two, the one that comes out like you know ten months later is so much better and then so much cheaper is you're like, okay, let me just skip the version one that ones that, you know, again, that's a prime example is it it's, you know, it doesn't include six gigahertz and that's an easy thing to wait on. Right. You could say the same thing about cars, right? So, you know, the new model, you know, so, <laughs> but uh, that being said, but um, so you know, do you want to talk about a little bit about Wi-Fi 7 and its features? I'm happy yeah, to talk what, about it. What is so, new? Like, you know, again, let's say somebody is thinking, do I want to deploy 6E today or am I, do I want to wait a year and go to 7 next year? With, with You know, where are we at there? So once again, my advice to anybody that said that, I would basically tell them, uh, if you're at wherever you're at on a refresh cycle, whether it's for infrastructure or for your clients, um, if it's now, then just go ahead and buy the 6E um, uh, so that you can have that 6 gigahertz radio. Uh, if it's a little bit down the road, then, you know, most of the 7 stuff will be out there too. Or you can buy the 6E because it'll be a little bit cheaper um, in, you know, the coming year or two. So um, that at the end of the day, the 6 gigahertz connectivity is what is the value. Now, Wi-Fi 7 
I should make it clear, even though it's going to drive 6 gigahertz uh, connectivity, uh, Wi-Fi 7 will work on all three frequency bands. It has a few new bells and whistles. Um, There's two features you're going to hear a lot of hype about. Uh, 320 megahertz channels and 4K QAM, which is a, a stronger modulation type. Um, I view both these features mainly for consumer-grade marketing. <laughs> um, 320 megahertz channels doesn't scale in the enterprise. It's fine if you want to have one AP in your house. Um, and uh, the 4K QAM, same thing. It'll work, but you're going to need to be you know, within um, – a very pristine RF environment, like six gigahertz, and uh, you know, within you know, a, 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 you know, line of sight, and then basically very near the access point to achieve that and get those data rates. So you're going to hear a lot of. Cons- I, I view those as consumer grade features, not necessarily for the enterprise, but you will hear a lot of marketing about them um, uh, quite a bit. Now, the one feature. There, I mean, and, and there's four or five more features, but the one that really, uh, other one that will get a lot of press that has some potential promise is something called multi-link operation. Think multiple bands and multiple and multiple channels. Um, so imagine if a Wi-Fi seven iPhone sixteen, um, if it has a Wi-Fi seven radio connecting to a Wi-Fi seven AP where it could connect uh, with at the same time with a 5 gigahertz channel and a 6 gigahertz channel, multi-link operation, effectively two links or possibly even three. Um, And it has several use cases. It has – it's for aggregation, um, for um, uh, steering capabilities, and also – those are the two big ones. Um, There's uh, – also, um, uh, redundancy capabilities as well, but I'll just focus on the two big ones. Um, probably the one that'll work between, let's say, an iPhone that has Wi-Fi 7 radio in it and a Wi-Fi 7 AP is the link steering capability. So imagine uh, the phone listening to a 5 gigahertz and 6 gigahertz at the same time, and whichever band becomes and channel becomes available first it uses that two by two radio to transmit on six gigahertz and the next time on five and the next time on six and back and forth, uh, potentially on a per packet basis. Um, that's probably the main use case for this, um, between client and AP communications. And that will add, uh, to the resiliency we were talking about and also bring down latency. Um, um, it will uh, make uh, have look much lower latency, which will be good for things like uh, 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 AR and VR, which was kind of surprising to me that the Vision Pro didn't have. Um, um, I, my guess is the next Vision Pro might have a Wi-Fi 7 radio in it specifically for that reason. Now, once again, complete guess. But that's the the one use case for multi-link operation. The one that gets all the hype is the aggregation. So imagine combining uh, all the bandwidth from a five gigahertz channel and a six gigahertz channel and transmitting data uh, together um, in, a, in an aggregate. Well, you're going to get higher data rates and big throughput. And that's how you see some of these demos where they're getting, you know, uh, five gig wireless links. Um, I don't really see that working too well, at least initially between the clients and the APs, uh, simply due to something called medium contention. I don't think that, uh, uh, 
there's too much wait time waiting for the synchronization between the bands to, for that to occur. But I do view that as a potential for mesh networking. So imagine an aggregate, what's called an MLO mesh, where you could have one 5 gigahertz channel and one 6 gigahertz channel that are carved out of your channel plan, and they're used for backhaul, and you can combine that data, and you have this really big pipe of data that can be used to backhaul, wirelessly backhaul data between access points. So I see a big use case for that. Um, can also, um, uh, and um, I think you'll see companies like Extreme and even in some of our competitors uh, looking at ways that, creative ways and how we might do something with an MLO uh, aggregate mesh. Yeah, that's, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Again, I go back to this is the, this experimentation and kind of things that we never thought was possible is, is largely because we're now, we're not having to worry about backwards compatibility. There's so much more unlicensed spectrum. I mean, I I think the way you described 2.4 gigahertz is is very apt as a wasteland and it's a best effort, but you kind of can't depend on as much. And six gigahertz, it just opens up in some ways a new playground for companies to, to innovate here. And I think that's the most exciting thing is you're no longer bound by the limitations of, well, how's this going to work for this whole client? Like, you know, it's now it's, it's what, what, what do we do with a blank canvas? Uh, that's a really good point. Um, and I actually make that uh, quite a bit in a different way, but uh, uh, innovation will come. And I, and I think a lot of it will be also application driven too. So we'll find, so you hear a lot of hype about AR and VR. Okay. But I'm, I think we're also on the cusp of that technology. I think we will see that, that technology changed the world in the next 10, 15 years. Um, and I, I'll tell you, it will ride on, on, on Wi-Fi and it'll ride on six gigahertz. Okay. Uh, the primary access technology for that, for, for that kind of um, user interface, I promise you in most cases will be Wi-Fi, and it will need the six gigahertz spectrum to do that. But it, not just AR, VR, it could be other things. I think a lot of mission critical applications will find their way to six gigahertz and, um, you know, it's been shown over the years that uh, innovation uh, follows, rides along on the back of Wi-Fi. And um, it, it's, you know, it, it, I mean, you can even go back to when they put radios in television sets, you know, back in what, 2012, 2013. And then people started streaming video and then. Uh, streaming services came up like Netflix. And so uh, you could make an argument that Wi-Fi actually changed the way we consume entertainment now, you know? So, um, you know, instead of going to movie theaters, we watch it, we watch it things on Netflix. So it's, um, um, and I think we'll see more of that both for personal use and for, for um, enterprise use cases. There's, uh, there's so much room for innovation in the next uh, from 20, up to 2030 and beyond. Uh, now you, as we wrap up here, I think you've really nailed it. What I want people to take away from this episode is the future of communication technology will ride on six gigahertz, Wi-Fi 6E, Wi-Fi 7, Wi-Fi 8. Um, it, it'll continue to evolve, but the future will ride on six gigahertz. And, and until we have the, 
roadways put into place, the innovation can't happen because you can't build for what you can't do. And now that we've got the innovative t- communication technology there and the next generation communication technology, now people can go to imagine, like you said, nobody was streaming, you know, streaming, you know, I remember when Netflix, they called it watch instantly and you know, it was, you had the DVDs and they added watch instantly. And that only became popular because it was very easy from your TV to, to stream, you know, the videos. And if you'd still had to be in the early days, you had to watch on a computer. It took off when Netflix was built into everything. And that only could be built into everything because the, the, the Wi-Fi was fast enough, but then the Wi-Fi client devices were there. And I think that's the critical thing is now that the, we're here, we can kind of, now the innovators can, you know, they have their blank canvas in which to build on. Um, David, as we're wrapping up here, uh, any final parting words, uh, any final advice for a Wi-Fi administrator looking to to uh, sort of new deployment, new upgrade this year or next? No, just like what I said, you know, if you're um, throughout this uh, conversation, if you're considering a, a refresh to your network, um, make sure it has a six gigahertz radio in it because as uh, Bradley just said, that provides that new spectrum super highway that we're going to ride on um that's the important thing uh if if you deploy without six gigahertz and uh, moving forward you're kind of locking yourself out of innovation and um so uh you know and so that's really important um you don't want to um, lock yourself out of the six gigahertz band moving forward and um you know just uh, wi-fi is a uh you know it Wi-Fi gets better and better as every, every year. Uh, it also gets more complex, um, but it does get better. And so what we uh, – the main challenge as an industry I think that we have is to simplify operations. And most importantly, uh, there's a whole trend in the industry of, towards user experience, how you can make that user experience for somebody connected to your Wi-Fi uh, seamless, frictionless, um, uh, to your point earlier, they just they just want to get connected. They want it to be more like Ethernet. They don't they don't even want to know uh, the difference. They just they just want to be able to get where they're going and uh, and have that mobility um, and the easiest and fastest way possible. So um, moving forward, that's um, I think you'll see lots of work being done to make that user experience for Wi-Fi users uh, as seamless and frictionless as possible. That's a great place to end it for this week's episode. If you're listening, thanks for taking the time. If you're using Apple Podcasts, we always appreciate a rating and review. And we'll be back next week with another episode.